to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual oasis for men podcast and we're glad you're here where is here here is sugarland texas and this is podcast number 193 hard to believe countdown to 200 for all you math majors out there that means we got seven to go sugarland texas said so grab a globe and spin it around bang put your finger down not sure where you ended up but fine texas southeast corner of texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And uh, but before we get into it too far, want to make sure that we put our send our prayers out to uh, the Deacon Kyle Trahan. We had the deep freeze 21 here in Texas. It was a cold snap for uh, four days. And uh, it uh, just jumped up and bit Kyle. So he's got a bit of a water leak and a little bit of tumult in his uh in his life now so we want to just let him know that we're praying for him and uh, you know we're not pastors we're just regular guys and each of us are on our own spiritual journey and we feel all men are leaders leaders of your family leaders at work uh leaders in church and in your community but sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged and that's why we're here and this is a great uh, subject uh, that we're going to be tackling about servant leadership here on this particular podcast. So whether you found us on Facebook or SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, our website, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com, we're glad that you're joining us. Typically, what we do is we go over a ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or you can call it a Sunday School lesson, and we use various publications. We're in the Connect 360s. Uh, is by Baptist Way Press. It's outstanding, and this particular is a study of Philippians, and it's titled Pure Joy. And what we do is uh, we go around the room uh, and get the the panel's basic overview of the particular lesson. Then we read the scripture and then we unpeel it like an onion. And the great thing about it is uh, we're men and we're focused on men. So we put a man's spin on the uh, scripture. We update it and we, and we toss it around and see how can it, help and apply to our lives so and with that I want to go ahead at this time and introduce the panel uh <clears throat> we have a great bunch of guys I want to start with uh, our producer he's a uh, policy writer as well as a bit of a professional gambler our producer is Mr. Steve Titch hey Steve all right Steve yeah <clears throat> a uh, former prosecutor and attorney we call him the judge. Michael Crapper's with us. Hey, hey Mike. Mike. Hey, guys. Mike. Uh, we call him the professor because he's a corporate trainer at a Fortune 100 company. 
With us today also is uh, the Professor Robert Koshu. Hey, right, Robert. Hey, Robert. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a uh, bit of a sales guy and uh, and the host of this particular uh, group. And uh, just want to go ahead and start and get the uh, uh, first thoughts of the panel and start by going with uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Hey, we got a good one this week. Uh, it seems like we have a good one every week, but this one is particularly good for Man Up because um, it really deals with management, mentorship, and communication and how to do them well. And we see this in this uh, in these, uh, I suppose, 11 verses we're going to study. Uh, Paul exhibits some of that. And so uh, I well, I'm anxious to write, uh, he, talk about it, and I'm sure uh, Robert is as well, because he's a corporate trainer. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's cribbed a few of these, uh, these uh, thoughts from Paul for himself. <laughs> yeah, and let's go ahead, and we'll go to get some uh, initial thoughts from uh, the professor. So, got three quotes and a statement to get started for tonight, just to kind of set it up. I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know: the only ones among you will be. Happy are those who have sought and found how to serve from Albert Schweitzer. There's a great man who makes every man feel small, but the really great man is the man who makes every man feel great, G.K. Chesterton. And it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular, but why he does it from A.W. Tozier. Um, John Maxwell, um, book we started out the podcast with, Life at Work actually said serving is the art of focusing on someone else's interest instead of your own and yeah yeah i've done which, which follows <laughs> on a verse from just a few two weeks ago uh-huh. exactly and it is it is very true i have done i've done a few things on leadership and service for some odd reason um right. this is going to be one of those great discussions <laughs> and and it, it and i was kind of like steve when i realized what it was this is exciting because I'd be willing to bet, and I would have to go hardcore this, I'd be willing to bet we talk about leadership and service in a minimum of 55 to 60% of our podcast. Would oh, be, I, 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 would, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm being very generous on the low side in my Right, opinion. right. With that, so I'm really excited because this is going to be a great discussion tonight. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. The scriptures are Philippians 2, 19 through 30, folks. Mm-hmm. We are in a, a lesson eight called servant leadership, okay? And and Paul here, uh, Paul is talking to and writing a letter. Uh, in, in, in this part of his letter, he gets to the part where he wants to to address the Philippians. The way I see it is Paul, Paul uh, loves, first of all, the, the Philippians love Paul just tremendously. They sent him gifts on three different occasions to help him. When he first left the Philippians and they first, uh, he went in their synagogue and won people to Christ, and they gave him a gift then when he left. That's in Philippians 4.15. When he's ministering in Thessalonica, the Philippians again sent him a gift, Philippians 4.16. And now uh, they send this gift to him, Philippians 4.18. So so my, my thought about this is, is starting off seeing that Paul just dearly loves the Philippians and he wants to know how they're doing. It will cheer him up. He's still depressed. He's still in jail. He does not know 
or have any idea when the in, incarceration of jail time will end, but but uh, he's concerned about it. Um, anyway, so he, he's still depressed a little bit. He says, I'm going to send to you a couple of guys. And, and this falls into where, where Steve and Robert are talking about. He's going to choose who he wants to send to the Philippians that will benefit them the most. Because there are other people he has who he can send. But he clearly says in the, uh, the text that Bill will read, uh, some of them will not be good for what I want to send them for. But I think he's, <laughs> he's really appreciated, appreciative of the Philippians. And so he wants to send them Timothy, and we're going to go into that, of course. And then he wants to send Epaphroditus back to the church as well. And uh, uh, Epaphroditus, he has great love for Epaphroditus as well, and he has been ministering to Paul. And then I don't want to break any more than that because Bill's going to read some of the information about Epaphroditus in the scriptures. Excellent. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture. And one thing about it, uh, like uh, the fellows uh, talked about, yeah, this is about uh, servant leadership, but as far as a management perspective and me being a contractor and looking things management, I want you guys to also look at Paul has to delegate and look at the way in the scripture that he delegates. So, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Philippians 2. 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will genuinely concern for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. That's Philippians 2, 19 through 30. And at this time, I'm going to go back to um, turn it back to Mike and get a short background on uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Mike. Okay, Bill. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I don't know how short short will be, but we'll, we'll see what we can do here. We can plant, push a lot. Of <laughs> right. right so all, all of you know, folks, everybody, I know the guys, Bill, Robert, and Steve all know that Timothy has a lot of background, but Epaphroditus does not. So we're going to start with him. His name means charming, C-H-A-R-M-I-N-G. 
Uh, as you know, Paul, uh, pardon me, Bill just read, Epaphroditus is a messenger, and he is referred to in other places in the Greek as an ambassador or minister sent from the Philippian church, and his purpose is to benefit Paul. Our central theme here is that he brings gifts to Paul, and then he comes to help him as well. Now, although, that, and, and the reference here is Epaphroditus is a Greek. Paul still has a great love for him and expresses it in those five, I, I say there's five different words, but I think they mentioned four. It's clearly four. And he refers to Epaphroditus as my brother, brothers in faith, of course, in Christ, my fellow worker. He shared in Paul's work while he was there and then became ill. My fellow soldier and, and folks, you know, uh, we are fighting a spiritual battle for the souls of people. And I believe that's what Paul was referring to. Then he, then he goes back and he turns directions and he aims at the Philippian church. He says, Epaphroditus was your messenger. He came to deliver a gift, but he stayed and worked with me. So Paul in 2.25 calls, again, Epaphroditus, brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. The three words are arranged in ascending order for, number one, common sympathy, number two, common work, number three, common danger, and then toil and suffering. He is described as an authoritative delegate, if you look at the Greek, but the word, and even the word apostle is used in the Greek in various translations. So he's not just a messenger, not just a minister, he is also referred to as an apostle. Uh, the designation, and the only one I can pronounce here is liturgus, or the way it's spelled derives from Greek civil use or civic use, indicating that he was a public servant, often one with financial, and they, that often refers to one who has financial resources to fulfill his functions. So Epaphroditus may have not been not only an official of the Philippian church, but a person of means uh, where he could uh, uh, su supplement the community gift of Paul. Anyway, on his arrival, Epaphroditus devoted himself to the work of Christ, both as Paul's attendant and his assistant in the missionary work, and he worked so hard, and this is up to interpretation. Uh, in some in commentaries, we have that he got sick when he was coming to see Paul, and here the interpretation is that he labored so hard that he lost his health. And in the words of Paul, in the words of Paul, he was ill and almost died. He recovered, and Paul sent him back to Philippi with this letter to quiet the alarm of his friends who had heard of his serious illness. Paul besought the church to receive him with joy and honor. Um, anyway, now let's go to Timothy, and, and I'll, I may have to cut Timothy short, but a lot of you know about Timothy already. Timothy na Timothy's name means honoring God or precious to God. Now, before Paul met Timothy, Paul and Barnabas had been teaching in Antioch. Uh, I think this is in Acts 15. Paul wants to return and encourage churches he has visited, and Barnabas wants to take John Mark. But Paul does not want to take John Mark because John Mark deserted them while they were on a previous missionary journey. You'll find that in Acts 15, 37, 39. So how does that tie in? So when Paul and Barnabas separate, Paul chooses Silas, and they head back through Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches. So they meet Timothy in Acts. When Paul and Silas arrive in Derby and Lystra, they hear of a young disciple. He's already got the name disciple named to him, named Timothy. And that's Acts 16.1. Timothy is the son of a Jewish woman who is a believer. His father is a Greek. The brethren of Lystra, the hometown, the smaller town, 
and Iconium in the larger communities spoke well of him. So Timothy had a good reputation when Paul arrived. And Paul was so impressed with Timothy uh, that he wanted Timothy to continue with him on their journey. As I mentioned, they go to Philippi, they start the church in Philippi. The time frame here now for the letter that Paul is writing and sending to the Philippians is somewhere around 10 to 11 years later after they have started the church in Philippi. Uh, Timothy has been studying under Paul all this time, and Paul states that he will send Timothy because he wants to know how they are doing. To me, Timothy is the best gift that Paul can send to him. He is the best of the best. So Paul sends Timothy to the Philippians, and no one has brought news probably since the uh, came, and there is no one like Timothy who, and Paul states this in Scripture, Philippians 2.20, who is generally concerned about the welfare. All right, Bill, that was long. I know, I apologize. Right. <laughs> Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take our first break, give Mike a chance to come up for air. Uh, this is Man Up Podcast number 193. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors, pastors and church, church leaders. leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back to this Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 193. Uh, this is servant leadership is this particular, uh, the heading of this particular podcast. Uh, it's, we're in the study of Philippians, and uh, I had my own notes on it. Not only is it servant leadership, but it just, to me, it seems like a lesson in delegating as well. And I'm just going to throw that out there, but I want to get... Uh, uh, some opinions from the other fellows and start with our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Yes, I like that start with delegation because that's clearly what's happening here. And uh, not only is Paul uh, delegating this upcoming mission to Philippi to Timothy, Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, but he's he's setting some expectations and kind of I, I'm glad you gave me that that background, Mike, because it could be that the last time the Philippians saw Timothy was when he founded the church with Paul. And as we know from Acts, that that was not too long after Paul, after after Timothy joined Paul and Silas. Um, and uh, maybe, you know, this is all interpretation. Maybe at that point, he was the greenhorn. He was the gopher. Paul and Silas were, were planting the church. Um, Timothy was there to learn. And we read he's not mentioned as being among those who got thrown in jail at Philippi for causing so much trouble. Paul and Silas were, um, and there was the earthquake. The scriptures do not say if Timothy was there. They, they don't mention him. Um, so he could have been that 
even the even the officials of the of Philippi thought he was insignificant. Ah, he's just a hanger on. So he's sending them back to him, Timothy, and kind of like you know, I you know, we we have extended families. If you've ever been to maybe a family in another state and seen a niece or nephew when they're ten years old. And then the next time you see them is 10 years later and suddenly, whoa, they're in college. They're, they're a national right. merit scholar. They're, they're taking, you know, they're in pre-med or something. And, and suddenly this kid uh, who was into Legos and, and Star Wars 10 years ago has got books about neuroscience on his shelf and can articulate about that. And, you know, it's, it can be a shock if, this is the last time you've had him. So I think he wants to pave the way uh, for the Philippians to basically say, hey, this guy is my right arm and he has learned by my side. You, you know, everything he brings, he learns from me. He's a very suitable leader and respect him and treat him with honor. And I think that's part of the delegation aspect, preparing your underling and not only not only into the environment he's going to go, uh, but preparing him for and equipping him with the tools he needs. Excellent, uh, Professor. So Timothy was chosen for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons Timothy was chosen for is that the the phrase "like minded" there in the Greek, and I won't go with the Greek word, but in the Greek literally means of one mind. So he was literally the I'm going to use the word carbon copy, but he was the one that Paul had mentored and put forth to put forth into the church role in Philippi. He is reinforcing that, but he's telling them that, hey, look, this guy's been with me from the beginning. He worked side by side with me. He did all the things that I asked him to do, and he learned from me. So he will be there for you. And he will follow the things that I'm telling you to do. And mentorship is one of those things that, in my mind, we need to get we need to get back to. We've gone away from the old apprenticeship world and basically sent everybody to college, literally everybody to college. And then when they got out, everybody tried to figure out. I've got all this debt and now I can't get a job. That's a current discussion that's going on in the world right now. And people aren't looking at the old way. The old way was, and, and granted it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that great, but there, there's got to, it, it's something back to it. You apprenticed, you started with somebody and you learned the things to do. And as you got better at it, you got to move up. You know, you started as the electrician's helper where you lugged the toolbox in and handed the guy the right wrench to use. Or you would go around and turn the power off and then you would take all the covers off the light switches and he would come and do the work and then you'd put the cover back on the light switch when he was done. And you would move through that. In a lot of ways, learning leadership and our faith even is learned the same way. It's by people doing it with you and introducing the baby steps. You know, Paul talks about as you grow up spiritually, you come off the milk and you grow in the faith by tackling the harder issues with life. 
you know, part of part of the thing is when and everybody remembers when you were a brand new Christian, everything was really black and white. Mike Mike talked a couple of weeks ago about when he was out with all his friends and he would get mad when nobody would pray <laughs> when they would all go out to eat. But, you know, sometimes that's not the right answer. Should, you know, uh, an out loud prayer, maybe, you know, you need to do a quick, you know, to yourself, Lord, bless the food and you move on because maybe you need to have an in-depth conversation with somebody. Well, I'd like to address something that you brought up uh, real quick. And the, the part about mentorship and apprenticeship not being uh, taught necessarily today. And I have a fair amount of experience in that. And it is this, uh, as a contractor, we have guys that will hire on and they will be brand new and they'll learn the trade, say, becoming a painter and they'll <laughs> become proficient as a painter. However, it is few and far between in the complex world now that you get someone that can graduate from being a painter to being painter management or painter business owner. You can take a good painter and make them a foreman, but it's a rare bird that can take the next step Bill, to I'll, I'll go, go from foreman to business owner. And that's those are the jobs that the people that are coming out of college are getting intern jobs for. The problem is this. They have no experience in the actual trade. So you have this mashing of the two. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to do a Michael Cropper uh, thank you very much. Judge and that was history. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. But, but but I can tell you something real quick. Paul was in a Paul was in a pickle. He could not send anybody. I mean, he could not go. And you can see this setup. And he sets up Timothy. And, and and I feel that he sets up Timothy not only for the people of the church, but for Timothy too. He's encouraging. Yes, Timothy, you can do it. So this is, he's, he's encouraging Timothy. And he also, he thinks that Epicuritis is not going to be accepted back because, hey, you failed. You failed. You you didn't you didn't give the gift the way we wanted it given. You had to be nursed back to health. You know that's not what that, we, we didn't that's set good, up. That's I was wondering about that. Did mm -hmm. and whether or not and actually right. this is good. Whether or not and 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 again, I found out some more because of of Mike's description of that that he may have been uh, a more respected. He may have been uh, wealthy. Uh, right. He, but he may have had some detractors, and um, absolutely. And for all I know, for all we know, and this is my guess, and this is totally Steve Titch here, is that he came down with a classic disease that travelers got all throughout the ancient world and through the Middle Ages, and that's dysentery. Um, which no question about which it. Which could yep. be which which if you're out there in the provinces could be fatal. 
you could recover it from it, but if you chances are you had to be in a major population center where you could get somebody who knew treatment. And that fits this. He, he ended up in Rome. He ended up with Paul, who was a seasoned traveler, who also traveled with Luke, a physician. Paul may have known how to treat dysentery or known the right doctors to get to him, but we know it was, I mean, he almost died. So it's not just a, 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 an infection. He, it, dysentery could be fatal. And, and, and he wanted and, people to know. Yes. And and so back home in Philippi, <laughs> there are people, you know, not in there. Yeah. Yep. Epaphroditus. He screwed it I knew it. it. <laughs> we shouldn't have sent him. <laughs> he screwed it up. He got there. And, you know, and, right. and but, but and 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 I'm going to traveling was difficult in those days. I mean, it was not. I mean, it's still difficult today, but it's compounded by the fact that, you know, you had, a, you know, all sorts of things had to go right. Um, and so, uh, so I think he's there saying, no, you know, this guy came through, he, he complete, and he actually outright says it, he completed right. the mission and, uh, he, 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 in, he inoculates him from, uh, yes. from, from the backbiting and the gossip that, that may be there. We don't want to think that, but everybody knows what goes on in church. You know, oh, they put him on, on the, on the, yeah. on the, on the, on the uh, missions Cross. committee. Oh, they sent him to manage the missions trip. No wonder they all missed their flight. That sort of thing. <laughs> right. I, I'm thinking myself, see, that you're good, uh, great points. You guys make great points. I can just think if, Say uh, you you give me an assignment, uh, and I'm going to help a brother or something, whatever, and I get sick on the way over there, and I'm not able to complete it. Whether it's uh, no matter whether it's a one day job or a one week or one month job, if I if I'm not able to complete it, and somebody has to step in for me, and complete it, I'm going to feel guilty, especially if it's a Christian type of uh, situation where where we're trying to do a um, uh, right 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 yeah. and so so i'm thinking to myself first of all i feel like a failure and the people who sent me are going to go just what you said steve or they could depending on who the gossips are depending on who they are and how well they know you so uh they're going to say no he he, he did he wasn't the right guy for the job <laughs> right right and, so, I, and I think so. that he i i think that he nipped it paul nipped it in the bud with both of them oh, and yes. i'm 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 sending timothy but when i can come i'm gonna come too you know what i'm saying yeah. so they welcome timothy yeah and when paul's able to he's coming too yeah Double, good yeah. job yep you know what i'm saying and then <clears throat> but when the messenger that they sent that failed and you know that they were feeling bad about it because our, our own messenger, I mean, we, we sent a horse that was lame, yeah, you know, or, or whatever. And, and But Paul tells them more than not only was this all right, but man, he went above and beyond. You need to welcome them back with honor, you, you know? Yes, and, and you know, you know, these were open letters. So he's given Paul's given the red carpet to both of these guys to to return back to succeed in the best possible way that they can. So he gives them encouragement and direction. 
with his instructions, not only to the people, but the two that are going back so they will know what to do. So he sets them up. He sets them both up for success and, you know, servant leadership. But to me, that, that is masterful delegating. I mean, that's to me, that's the man. That's the man lesson of this. Well, Bill, you're right. The, the, he says, um, he says, he calls Epaphroditus a soldier, a fellow soldier. How much of us don't won't give respect to a veteran, right? If they, if we know a person is a veteran and they're honored, why would we not give tremendous respect to a veteran? So he and one of one of the descriptions of him, a fellow soldier, is just, just absolutely what you just said. How can you not give him honor? So he writes two resumes for both Timothy, one for Timothy, right. one for Aphrodite, and it's tremendous. He says, "How can you? I'm, I, you can't refute what he said in these. Just, it's impossible." Right, right. You can't. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is Man Up Podcast Number One Ninety Three. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And we're back. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And each of us are on our own spiritual journey, our spiritual quest and like we've said many times you need to exercise that faith muscle keep it in shape and that's what we're doing here and we're glad that you joined us talking about steeter uh, servant leadership and we've kind of uh went down the rabbit hole of delegating on this as well and want to go to uh professor koshu so uh, i'm gonna do i'm gonna do bill one better because do you know who always gets promoted to management in sales organizations and it is the, the best the salesman. salesman. Yeah. Yep. Which and you know, and, and you know who, the, to do who it. the absolute worst person in the entire universe to ever be in put in charge of sales managers are sales people are salesman. the sales manager. <laughs> it, it, it is, it is, and it, it, it's part of the way we've designed our society that we don't really favor the idea of servant leadership or the idea of leadership. We we pay in my mind, and and now I'm I'm going to tell you this. I develop I've developed probably fifteen to twenty leadership programs. I just developed one that we're going to probably implement at my company over the next year or so. That is probably a two year long course someone would go through in leadership, and we pay a lot of lip service to leadership but we don't do a lot with it in the, in the culture. What we do is we, we give it a lot of, we, we have a lot of thing, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why five dysfunctions of a team, you know, and all of that. But in the reality, what we want is somebody who's going to run over people to get what they want and emphasize that reality of 
the person that when someone fails, they're going to do what they did to poor Epaphroditus here is throw him under the bus and get the next person up there. You know, and right. that's really the deal. And Epaphroditus is kind of interesting because he's, he's one of those famous nobodies of the Bible. And there are a lot of great nobodies in the Bible, but he's one of them. And what do we know from what Paul said about him? We know he was a people lover. He wasn't afraid to take risk, which is something we've talked a lot about, that real leaders know how to gauge risk and reward and know how to take risk when they need to. He was a tireless worker. You know, like you guys said, a couple of, there, there's a lot of theory that he probably got a little sick and made it worse because he didn't stop kind right. of deal. And then finally, there he was a servant leader. You know, he literally poured everything into other people and then Paul poured it back into him. And like you said, Bill, this is a this is a great example of leadership delegation to the right leaders that you've poured yourself back into because you've looked at it and done that. And I'm going to bring up and I'll throw this out because I know Steve will jump on this. So we talk a lot about exercising your faith muscle. And one of the books we talk a lot about when we talk about that is, is Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. He actually lists service as a spiritual discipline that we should engage in. You know, if it's our church over the past week has had people go out and help people fix leaks, have had people go out and, you know, check on people, you know, and make sure our church took, took the extra step. And basically, I think the vast majority of our church was all checked on by someone at some point during this. I know I got a couple of different texts from a couple of different people. You know, hey, you guys, okay. How are y'all doing? You know, and I think that's what's important that we all do that. You know, it's the service part of Christianity that most of us, we like jumping on. And part of my criticism is going to be that a lot of churches like to go do service out there because it's cool. We, we did a series last year on service in our youth group, in our youth teaching on Sunday morning. And we, we set it up with this, that the, the youth group was going to go to, let me see if I can get it right. West Palm beach, Florida to do a beach reach mission. And of course it was the middle school girl who was all hot and trotting because I'm going to Palm Beach, I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to witness for Christ while I'm on the beach, you know, versus, you know, do we really want to go down to the four corners or like Bill, like you said, down with the homeless people, you know, and the people in our own backyard, you know, a lot of us like to do service, but we want to do service out there in some exotic, cool place that we can go to, you know, versus, I'm going to go do one of the one of the groups that our church has done a lot with is we've done a lot with Mission Waco, not only downtown Houston, but Mission Waco. And I, I will tell you guys this. There's nothing exciting in Waco unless you're a Baylor Bears football or basketball fan to go see and do. Well, OK, now the silos are there with the Chip and Johanna Gaines. But I'm talking before Chip and Johanna Gaines. Mm -hmm. There was nothing exciting to go and see in Waco, Texas. But yet we've gone there on mission trips multiple times over to do stuff with the mission Waco and work with Waco for some odd, weird reason has a very large homeless population mm. for a city a of its size. And so, we, you know, you know, the thing about it is with um, 
with leadership. It, it just it takes me back to being on the farm. Uh, the leader is not always the person that's holding the leash. You know, and, and, and that's the thing about it. Vast majority of people, when they hear leader, they think, yeah, awesome. I'm the president. I'm holding the leash. Everybody follows me. No, that's, that's not what leadership is about. Leadership is about putting the, the good of the other people or the good of the group in front of you and finding a way to help those people. And Paul was just a master in this particular passage of how to effectively delegate from a position of absolute ineptitude. He was in prison. He could absolutely do nothing. And yet he took his influence and he multiplied it by two and sent it back into the world. And that is just a, a stroke of genius that people that are into leadership need to understand and I like that, uh, I don't know if it was Steve or Professor that, I know it wasn't you, Cropper. Let was talk about mentoring uh, earlier. I absolutely agree with that. And it doesn't even have to be mentoring in a specific uh, job. Like, I feel I was mentored to be a pig farmer. Although, although when I was 17, I was done with that internship. But it still helped me in other areas of my life. And I think that's, uh, that's something that, as far as men, we need to look at helping other people in crisis before crisis happens. And that's mentoring the next generation or the, or the next available people. And I think that's what Paul did with this. Bill, I, uh, I, I, I tried to look up the definition for servant leader. I cannot, I, in the concordance everywhere I looked, and, and, and it, uh, you take two words and you separate them. Of course, they, they're almost like two opposites, right? Uh, a servant helps other people, helps other things, uh, usually as assisting. And, and then you've got a leader who, who leads, and it's as simple as you say, a, a person who guides a special way, he leads in advance, directs a course or in a direction, or goes ahead, such as the lead dog on a team, to be first in or among and lead the group or parade, <laughs> things like that. So, like I said, I could not find definition. You you guys can even Google it right now, servant leader. You won't find something like that. It'll, 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 re, it'll refer to a whole bunch of examples with the Bible. But a servant leader is, not only does... Does he serve the other people? But he will lead. An example would be our pastor of our church, right, guys? Or, or a Sunday school director, Bill, you and our Sunday school class that we had. You lead, but you also, your, your focus, like you said, is on other people, not yourself. And that's where the servant comes in. You do lead. You will have the opportunity as a servant leader many times. And of course, Paul's a great example. 
uh, Timothy, many others, uh, possibly the Apostle Peter. But the point is, yes, you can have two opposites and they can fit together the way I see it. And that's serving, serving, and you can lead the cause or you can lead the direction. And as I think Robert or, or Steve mentioned, uh, feeding the homeless people, which Bill, you have done, you lead and say, okay, we're going to go down and feed them. And your direction is not on yourself. Your direction is on the other part, other persons. And Paul said over and over again, take the interest off yourself and put it on the other, sir, uh, the other person, even your fellow Christians. Bill? Excellent. And with that, uh, going to go around the room, get some final thoughts and takeaways uh, from this particular podcast and talking about servant leadership and the rabbit hole of delegating. And I'm going to go back to uh, Professor Koshu. Yeah. So remember, guys, that work is our service offering to the world that we don't have to go out and serve to serve. We should, but doing our work, just for guys out there, doing our work that we're called to do every day, that's actually a service offering to work and to the world that God created. We're actually called to actually do work a little bit. And remember when we do that, if we do it well, it makes the people around us want to look at us and pay attention to us. And so it opens the doors to our faith. And I think that's part of our service that we talk about is having that and showing the leadership in it because a lot of times the leader, a good leader knows when to lead and a good leader knows when to follow. You know, John Maxwell likes to say that, that good leaders will follow excellent leaders. And so a great example of that back in the early 90s. So when Jack Welch retired from GE back in the day and Jeffrey Immelt got the CEO position, all eight of the VPs that were that were slated to go to the CEO position at GE that didn't get it left and became CEOs of their own companies at this right after that. And that's because Jack Welch was such a good leader that other good leaders followed him. I I, I think that's very true. I think a good leader, um, a servant leader. You can tell by the success of those yep. he has created. I'm going to give a shout out and and long, um, the, he, the late great Jim Lydon, who was the first editor I worked for uh, way back at Electronic News. He he died some years ago, uh, but uh, he was kind of my my mentor once removed. I was mentored by someone who worked for him, a guy named Frank Barbetta, who probably was the best mentor I had for the three years I worked for him. And um, but nonetheless, going back to back to Jim Lydon, there are men in uh, most many of whom are retired now because they're they're some of them are older than me. That he spread around the news industry, uh, Business Week. Wall Street Journal, um, uh, Forbes magazine, uh, New York Daily News, all of whom basically you know, with a point of pride, trained by Jim Lydon. Uh, he, he, we, we learned how to do business news and how to cover it from him. 
Um, and I, you know, I, I've, I've been out of the corporate world. I haven't had a direct report since late 1990s. I like to point to, to several who are still working and doing successful, uh, doing successfully in their trades. Uh, I'm proud of that. Um, and, but I think training and mentoring takes time. And I, I don't know really what it's like now uh, if, if younger workers are getting the time and attention they need from their bosses, if their bosses are even incented to do that I, on, the, on the Zoom call, uh, Robert's shaking his head no. And, and I think something's lost. And perhaps part of, part of the Christian mission for the Christian manager to, to go by, by these words of Paul is to make that time uh, in spite of what the, the other pressures of work are, to, to create a successful uh, team and, uh, you know, to be secure about it. Uh, you know, you get old, I, as I even as got more and more older and, and more and more line, I, I ran into more and more insecure bosses, bosses who were threatened by their underlings, uh, bosses who, who, who deliberately sabotaged them. Um, it's rather sad, uh, but this is one way to be a witness. You know, if, if we want to say that the best thing I can see, you know, Robert may be a, a Christian in his office, but the best thing they're saying, I want to go work for Mr. Koshu because every one of his supports goes on to get a better job. I mean, and, and, isn't that a great thing to be able to say? And, and, and that is the goal. And, and that really is one of the ways, and Steve, you're totally right. Part, part of the problem is, and, and you just heard me praise Jack Welch. I'll also curse <laughs> Jack Welch in the same, same show. I think Jack Welch, this is anathema to business, in business schools, by the yeah. way. He is one of the worst managers in the history of the universe because he convinced somebody that the value of a company was worth the, was what their stock price was at any given moment. Right. And, <laughs> and, he, and, what, he, and what he entailed with that was – the, the almighty what's in it for me became even more so. And you get into this narcissistic culture inside of corporations. And when you get into that, it, A, it tears down the Christianity or the faith that you have if you don't, if you express it. And going above and beyond is kind of what we're called to do as Christians is really, like Steve said, look at your people as people, you know, care about them and understand what's going on with them. And moving from that into the other way is really where Christianity can make a difference. Um, I don't want to turn into so I'm I'm going to cut there. I'm not. I don't want to turn this into a bashing Jack Welch. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I did read his book, and I and you know I I there there's some of the things that he did. You know the spinoff of companies and the way he moved top people around and, and stuff that I didn't necessarily concur with, but I can, I can tell you this. I have a son that is about uh, that's early twenties. He's in college and I know a bunch of his friends and you can tell people by the way they react to someone, whether they would be a good intern or mentor candidate and i and this is my takeaway from this uh from this particular lesson now and you can you can judge it 
and in, in three quick words, or actually four, you, you say an idea, okay? You're dealing with someone that is either in the same profession, a younger person, but you as an older person, experienced leader, you're trying to find out whether they're mentor worthy or intern worthy. And the response is interesting. And they say it with a little bit of enthusiasm that they may be curious and they may want more. That's a, that's a quality intern or mentor prospect. Um, or you'll get the, uh, the person that goes, oh, really? Almost like they don't believe you, okay? That person may be on the fence as a mentor candidate or maybe not. Or the one that says either verbally or with their eyes, get lost. They want nothing to do with you and nothing to do with the subject. The reason why they're at that job is paycheck only. Unfortunately, and I tested it this week after reading the lesson, I'm finding more younger people in the really or get lost column than are the ones that are interested and motivated to find more, to find out more. And I think as older men that are in leadership positions, we need to be cognizant of what's out there and is available for us to mentor. That is a good point, Bill. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go with that because that is an excellent point. Well, I, I'll make a comment because I haven't been talking about mentoring or delegating, <laughs> so I'm just going to make a comment for you guys. And and, and uh, the author makes a point in here, and I'm going to try to tie this in. It's very interesting to me. He says, he says, folks, he says, uh, he said he was referring to another person, maybe a Christian or not. It, 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 he's not real clear about that. He says, but he says that person had a lot in the showroom, but nothing in the warehouse. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm going someplace with this. Very interesting, guys. After listening to you guys all this time talking about this, he says this can be seen. This can be said about any of us. You guys, meet myself, everything like that. He says we each have a front-facing life that other people see, and it's where we are noticed, appraised, and where other people focus on us. This front stage of life is all about doing. He says the backstage of life is really our private world. There are no spotlights of notoriety backstage. It's probably messier than our, our carefully curated front stage. Our two stages are very interconnected. The backstage is what makes the front stage happen. And our front stage is all about doing. The backstage is all about being. They are both interpreted. Now, here's my point. Guys, if somebody doesn't want to be mentored, you can't fill their backstage. You can't put anything into their backstage. A person who wants to be mentored and discipled has has want has to want to do it. You cannot make somebody do it. The Holy Spirit has to lead them. And get some final thoughts from you, Mr. Steve Titch. Oh, uh, certainly you're looking for passion. And, you know, if you're passionate, you want to have passionate people working for you. And, yeah, it doesn't always work out. But uh, that's good, too, because... People need to find their niche. Um, and maybe you're not, 
cut out to work in journalism. Uh, maybe you're not cut out to be an attorney. Maybe it's something else that draws you. Uh, and the sooner you find that out, the, the better it is for you. And maybe to get back to good old Epaphroditus, um, well, I don't think he failed, but sometimes failure is good to have. Um, uh, every, I read in, in the Wall Street Journal once that every CEO uh, of a Fortune 100 company at some point in their career was fired. Uh, and it, it's not, and, and we, we put a, you might say taking this around, we put a very strong premium on success and never screwing up in the workplace too, in our families. Uh, we put pressure on our kids. Uh, failure is part of the process. And it didn't quite all go as planned for Epaphroditus. Uh, however, he completed the pro he completed the mission. That's the important. At the end of the day, he got that and he got that gift to Paul. He may have been ill, and Paul said his his Paul said like he almost died working for you guys. I mean, what what more dedication could you have for that? He said. And he delivered it. I mean, considering all the things that could have gone wrong, he could have gotten robbed. That was probably the worst case scenario. And it could have easily happened. We, we, we think he right. was carrying some money or something of value to contribute to Paul's mission or his uh, or the cost of he, he had because he was under arrest under. But uh, failures part of this and also mentoring through failure or recognizing uh, shortcomings is part of the process. Excellent. And with that, thank you so much for tuning in. This is podcast number 193, 7 until 200. So on behalf of uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshy, my name is Bill Cox, and we are on this No Church Answered Tour. So check out our new YouTube channel. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Pray.com. If you have a question or a comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. If you're still in quarantine and unable to attend a church, check out Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It is a Baptist church service on sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sunday at 9.45 a.m. And when the quarantine is over, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and find a small group, adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school class that you can join for small group discussions like this. This is stuff you can't talk about uh, basically anywhere. And find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.